Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hi, everybody. We're the homegirls. We're dancing. We're here today with Bob Tompkins. We're so excited. He's in Greenville, South Carolina, and he's a Remax Platinum agent. And we're so excited to have him here with us today because if you don't know Bob, Bob is like quite the personality and he's super fun. And I just asked him off air, so I'm going to ask it again. Bob, you are the one that has the Remax tattoo. I am. I am. And I'm actually really excited that we're filming, like starting off this way because what today's my birthday. It's February 23rd that we're filming this. This obviously is not being posted on this day. Um, But you start off saying I'm a Remax Platinum agent. Today is also my last day with Remax. What? To give up your AOL email address because you're not with Uh, Remax. Yeah. I have, I have a re like, I have a Remax balloon on my thigh. So it's tattooed on my thigh and uh, I'm gonna have to carry that with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you going? We'll talk about some cover up options for that. I know we'll have to figure out something with the tattoo. Homegirls, Um, homegirls. I like it. (laughs) I don't know. Your wife might not like that. (laughs) So yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to a real broker. So I don't yep. even know what that is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a relatively young company. They've got at, at the moment, they've got about 1500 agents. Um, I don't know if y'all know who Tim Macy is, but Tim Macy's over there. Ah. Yep. Um, a good group of people that are heading that way. I can't do a whole lot of name dropping, but, uh, we're hoping to build something pretty special over there. So it's exciting, but, uh, it makes the Remax tattoo that much funnier. Maybe you could work right. in like a, a balloon into like a logo possibly and then just you know well, quickly rebrand would be great so I, I mean winnie the pooh is holding the balloon <laughs> nice. um, so i'm thinking about getting eeyore on the other side like popping it with his tail saying oh well yes so, you know yes. thinking about it <laughs> then like it'd be it. really embarrassing if i ever had to go back like i've now I've said, oh, well, and then I go back to Remax. That it's a memory. It's a memory, though. Like, people always, not to, like, side note or anything, but tattoos, everyone's like, oh, my God, you got that tattooed? It's a memory. Like, I do that. I'll look, I have tons of tattoos, and I look at people, I'm like, ooh, you got that? But it's a memory. It was part of your life. It happened. Like, you know. Yeah, unless it's, like, an ex-girlfriend's name, there's no reason to cover it up, you know? Right, right. I think I heard that from, from Dan Ludwig. I'm pretty sure he was like, yo, there's a dude with a Remax tattoo on his yeah, Dan, Dan probably said that. Yeah. <laughs> and he probably said it just like that. <laughs> he would say, Does yeah. anybody else have real estate related tattoos on their body other than me? I don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know Jess, you don't? We always have the same stuff. Maybe we should. Maybe, maybe this is it. We need to go get tattoos, all of us. Maybe some homegirls tattoos. Yes, right now. I am so okay. down. I will do it in a heartbeat. Let's go. Not the Sorry, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> My what? Jewish grandmother is rolling what? over in her grave right now. Like, I'll <laughs> do a Remax tattoo. I'm not doing a Remax tattoo. Mm-mm. Bob, oh what prompted a Remax tattoo? Like, what? What, what prompted like, it? A good idea. I'm an idiot. 
I mean, I just do a lot of stupid. <laughs> so I, I literally just showed up to my tattoo artist studio and was like, Hey man, this just seems like a good idea. So we should do it today. Uh, Cause if we wait, I'm not going to do it. Um, like, okay. Yeah. It takes up my entire thigh. So it, oh my God. it's not even like it's a small one. Like it was like a, it was like a $500 tattoo. Like what did really, your wife say? What did your wife do? She wasn't surprised because again, I'm an five, idiot. Wait, I got to back that up. You spent $500 on a brokerage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I pay a thousand dollars a month to be a part of the office. Like I was I, just going to say. They give you a discount on your dues? It's only two weeks worth of dues. That's all it was for oh. the tattoo. Oh, Come so on. You could put like the wizard in it and then Dorothy and like the other characters around it. And it would just mm -hmm. be the hot air balloon of. I could put I the Wicked like Wick of the should, West flying in it, you know? Totally. You should take a cue from Jess and then add like the old AOL, like um, the sign on thing, like right next to it. And then you could tie it all together. Okay. So I have to say this <clears throat> because I think a lot of people don't know this. So first of all, Remax is headquartered in Denver where we are. Yeah. Their golf course is like outside of our window. Yeah, but for some bizarre reason, Remax in Colorado is like, even though they did start here and they're headquartered here, is like not so cool. But in other parts of the country, Remax is like the shit. So it is like in other parts of the country, you maybe would tattoo that on you. <laughs> yeah, you might. Like in Greenville, South Carolina. <laughs> All right. So now tell us your whole story about your foray into real estate and how you came into the business. I heard Angela talking about your mom. That's not a your mom joke, even though it was <laughs> funny. We were actually talking about his mom. Tell us yeah. your story. Um, so uh, I grew up in a real estate family. So that's uh, the easiest segue into my business. Um, my mom's been doing real estate for right at 20 years. So she got licensed when I was eight years old. Um, and, uh, I mean, I guess I've, I've just been around it my entire life. So it was one of those things that I watched my mom do. And I always thought to myself, man, I think I could do it a lot better than her. So, um, <laughs> I didn't go, I didn't go to college for sales. Um, but this is actually funny story. I went to school to be a, to be a pastor. So that norm, people normally don't believe me when I say that, but I went to be a Southern Baptist pastor is what I went to school for. And then uh, when I dropped out of college, I became a bartender. And after about three years of bartending, I was like, this sucks. So I'm, I'm not enjoying myself. Um, and I asked my parents actually for my birthday on my 24th birthday or no 23rd birthday on my 23rd birthday, I asked them to pay for me to go to real estate school. So that was a gift that my mom was very willing to pay for. Um, went to school, uh, got licensed, hung my license uh, with a small little brokerage um, called Allen Tate that's really just in the Carolinas, was there for a year, um, then really didn't have much success my first year, I think I sold seven houses, um, made the switch to Remax on kind of a leap of faith that uh, going to a bigger brand was going to help me grow my business, um, paid off, and uh, that's where I'm at now, leaving Remax. <laughs> nice so uh what was it like growing up with a mom who was a realtor because 
all of us on the show are moms. And so we talk a lot about the guilt that we have for the 24 seven phone and the dragging our kids to showings. Was it like that for you growing up with your mom doing this? I think it depends on how the kids wired. Um, I, I, I think now we're, I mean, now we live in a day and age, it's a little bit um, nicer to that because you can do a lot of it silently. Like you can text and email really quickly from your phone. Um, you know, when I was a kid, my mom had to be on the phone. Like there was, it was always on the phone. There was not a ton of like texting or emailing from like her Blackberry that she used. Like emails were not easy to send. So um, for me, I mean, me, like me and my brother are wired very differently. Um, for me, I kind of have that entrepreneurial tick inside of me. So it never bothered me. Like to me, as long as my mom was present for like basketball games, like I didn't care. Um, my brother has the exact opposite feelings about my mom being a realtor. She feels like that, or he feels like that she was, you know, absent, um, which I don't think is really fair to her. Cause I mean, she was the, she was the one making the money in the family, you know, no offense to my dad, but he, he didn't make as much as her. So, you know, there was, um, there was a part of it, like for me, I think because it's kind of the way I'm wired, I appreciated um, her drive and her, you know, um, ability to work and make money and provide. Um, my brother, I think just, you know, because we're wired differently, didn't see it the same way I did. And I think you kind of see it in our, uh, in our pads. Like, you know, he's in grad school, um, not a whole lot of ambition to like do much. And, uh, and I'm, you know, doing exactly what my mom did. So obviously I think because I followed her footsteps, um, it's pretty obvious there was an appreciation for what she did. I hope my son does that. I mean, I named my team after him. So like I really, Angela too. So like, yeah. I really hope he does that, but we'll see. We'll see. How I hope goes. my daughter does. My son would be a terrible realtor. So. <laughs> <laughs> so do you look at your kids? Like, I don't, you have kids, right? I have, I have a seven month old daughter. Oh, so oh. I was gonna say, how does your seven-month-old feel about it? I don't. We, we would know. <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't. I mean, my my daughter's not likely to follow in my footsteps, probably because my wife named her bakery after my daughter. So, they, you know, kind of the you know the counterpoint to Lindsay. My wife named her business after her, so there's way less of a chance that she follows me. But I hope she does. I mean, I'd love to see her sell real estate. I think it's a great profession. What's her name? Waveland. Oh, horrible. That's an awesome name. Yeah. How so, did you with that? so, um, you're not going to think it's nearly as awesome after I tell you this. So, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Chicago Cubs fan. Like there's the sports illustrator for when they win the world series. Um, they, uh, the streets around Wrigley field are mm -hmm. Sheffield Avenue, Waveland Avenue, Addison and Clark. Yep. And my wife's a saint because she agreed to name my daughter after one of the streets around the baseball field. I don't know why that didn't click. My family and my husband's family are huge Chicago Cubs fans. And I didn't know why that didn't click for me. But one of my beautiful. very best girlfriends, her daughter's middle name is Fenway. So oh, see, and I like I that. that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's cute. I love that. Okay, so yeah. I know you as the video guy. And not just the video guy, but like the guy who takes really big chances and does really fun and wild stuff with your videos and they're also like ridiculously well produced and very very well done so um like it's it's kind of funny there was a and we actually interviewed her on our show but there and you you may have heard about this because it made national news but there was a group here in denver of women yeah more 
Yeah, yeah, more. Yeah. We love more. We're big more fans. But so more, more did that Fresh Prince of Bel Air video that garnered like very negative, bad national press. And like I feel like all the time I see agents put out videos in my opinion that are like way more off the line or off color so I thought that was interesting but tell us like walk us through how you come up with your ideas for your videos and how you know if you're going too far when you're making so um all right so I've always like enjoyed kind of playing with lyrics on songs um I've done it since I was a kid um just kind of reworked lyrics always thought parodies were funny like when I was in middle school and high school I listened to a ton of weird owl uh just because i i just thought it was hilarious so for me like it, because it was something that i i'd done for myself for a long time when i was like this always sounds like the most ridiculous thing when i say it out loud but like when i was in middle school like i wrote a ton of poetry like it was so rhyming sequences to me were things that i've always enjoyed like building um so all in all like creating parodies and creating the songs just you know the basis of it is something that kind of comes naturally to me um, I enjoy it. It's a creative process for me. Um, I like to toe the line. Um, my, my mom knows that it's probably one of the things she doesn't love too much about me is that I love to push limits. Um, so, you know, whether it's talking about boobs in the old town realtor song, you know, the boob lights, um, or, uh, in nice ass kitchen, obviously when you parody WAP, like that's a risky move. So, you know, for me, those were things that were funny. I, I thought one of the riskiest things I did was take uh, my daughter right after she'd been born in the nice ass kitchen video and I dunked her head in the sink. And I was like, that's probably going to get some negative feedback. It didn't. So I, but I mean, I knew I was pushing the line on it, though, because people don't love to see, you know, a month old, you know, getting shoved underwater. But, you know, it was funny. Like, I thought it was funny. But um, I think when it comes to like, you know, I think more knows this, but when it comes to like cultural appropriation, like you have to be very yes. careful. Yeah. Uh, and especially, I mean, she did it in an area of town that's going through what, some gentrification over there. So mm-hmm. when you cross those two things, it, I mean, I know what, they also got in trouble for going into an ice cream shop that they didn't have permission to be in. Like there was probably a lot of things that could have been done like better. In, in that situation. Um, for me, it's, it's trying to, you know, pinpoint what those hiccups could be up front and just make sure I avoid them. Um, Cause you know, I, you know, I could have had the fixtures look like boobies. I could have sexualized that way more than I actually did. Um, but as a straight white male, I have to be very careful about the way I portray women. So, you know, it, there's, there's all these little fine lines that you have to make sure you're on the right side of. Um, you have to ask yourself a lot of serious questions when you're producing the stuff to make sure you're not crossing any lines. Do you I have- really wanted to do a video that's a parody of WAP, but I feel like I won't be able to do it as good as Bob Tompkins. So I should probably not because I do a lot of flips and I wanted to go with a, there's some holes in this house. Uh, <laughs> But I don't know if I can pull it off or not. I mean, just do it. Just do it. I bet you you could. Just do it. <laughs> I feel like he's writing a song in his head right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, where are the holes? Okay, so oh, no. I want you. I have an idea for you. By the way, I want you to do hot for realtor. Like, I could. 
you get a wig and like they're hot for realtor do that mm -hmm. that's, that's my idea because i want to do that but i don't do videos so you that's, neither do I. I think I'm just going to use you now because ideas pop into my head. And then I'm like, I go to TikTok and I'm like, how do you use this damn thing? I'm just going <laughs> to shoot them to you. Just give me a shout out. I mean, the production stuff of it's not easy. Um, there's a reason for the music videos. I hire it out. Um, and I've got stuff that's done. Like we do a lot of my video stuff. That's kind of the weekly, monthly content. We do it in house, but I hire out the music videos because the level of production is so high. Um, and, you know, I mean, people are more likely to watch something if it looks good and sounds good. So like we record yeah. the audio in a professional studio. Um, the guy mixes the music. His name's Brad Phillips. He's phenomenal. Um, so, I mean, the level of production on everything is we take it to the highest level. Um, that way, you know, if, if for some reason uh, I don't come across great on camera or, or a certain lyric sucks, it's made up by the fact that we've done everything else to the highest level. So do you feel, do you, do you feel like you are getting leads directly from your videos? Like are, are people actually coming to you and saying, yo, I saw that guy. I want him to sell my house. So not, not consumers, um, okay. realtors. So I, my referral network is pretty, like, it's ridiculous. It accounted for probably half of my business in 2020. Nice. Um, just agents calling me saying that they want their clients to work with me. Cool. Um, so now like the music, when I've made old town realtor, the idea was, Hey, if we can put this out, it gets 30 or 40,000 views in my local market. People think I'm a cool guy. Like maybe they'll call me and use me to be their agent. That was the original like hope. Um, when I posted it and it got 1.4 million views across platforms and I started noticing the calls I were getting was not from clients or not from customers. It was from other agents that were like, hey, where are you located? I want to send my clients to you. So I kind of repurposed those music videos. To, when I put them out now, my target audience isn't my consumer base. It's other agents. So like I'm making those videos for other agents now because that's who consumes them, who enjoys them. Um, and it just feeds my referral network. Right, right. That's awesome. So when you do videos, are the videos done by... Um, somebody that does real estate videos or somebody that just does a high level production type video? And how would you find somebody like that? Um, so, I mean, it's a lot easier to find them once you kind of get into that um, scene. Uh, I kind of lucked in, I, I'm on my second videographer. So my, my first videographer, um, I got that relationship, just kind of luck of the draw. I went to college with a guy that was working for the videographer um, in his production company. I saw something they posted on Facebook. I was like, hey, I'd love to work with you guys. Um, that turned into a relationship that lasted for about two years. Um, and then I got real connected with, with other um, videographers. So once my first videographer got to a point to where he was making a lot more money shooting other content um, and uh, it was gonna cost me too much, I was able to find somebody else um, in that circle that, that produced really good content um, that's now doing some of my higher, higher end stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, I need to hire somebody. It's on my list of things to do this week um, because I see video being huge and I'm obviously probably not awesome in front of a camera and I have a lot of anxiety around that. So I need to hire the best possible person for that. So yeah. I guess just interviewing people and looking at their videos and trying to find somebody that jives well, with me. Y'all know, know Brad McCallum? Mm -hmm. 
He's, well, he's a, I shoot my podcast with him. So he's really good at, uh, he's, he's really good at videos. He does listing tours that are phenomenal. His videographer that works with him, um, he found by going on YouTube and searching people in his town, like who was producing YouTube videos in Calgary, Canada to be able to work with. So he went and then he just DM'd a couple people and, and landed his videographer that way. Um, there's, I mean, a ton of ways to find them, but you really have to kind of search the content in your area to find who's producing stuff. Because if you just go on Google and type in videographers, like those are the people that are paying for SEO. Like you're not, you're, yeah. you're going to get who's paying for that. It's the same thing. We deal with the same thing in real estate that the people that put the most money in Google are the ones that get Google leads. So that's, you know, that doesn't necessarily dictate their quality of work. So when you're, Finding somebody, reviewing their portfolio, seeing the type of videos that they've edited and produced, um, you know, that's the best way to go about it. Awesome. Thank you. So for somebody who's new to video um, and has never really done it before, there's so many like different types of ways to do it. And I understand that that's super personal, you know, um, you've got you that's hilarious and, and bigger than life. And, and then you've got some people that shoot just unbelievably sexy videos geared towards the property. Like it is unbelievable. If you're not in the group RETV, everybody that's listening, you absolutely need to be because you'll see just some unreal content in there. But like, where do you, how, how do you coach an agent that has never done this before to find their style and to even start out doing this? Like, I don't know that everybody can just go out there and parody walk and be successful. Well, right. I mean, not, not everybody can parody WAP and be successful at, at it. I, in fact, I think in the real estate sphere, I'm the only person that did it successfully. So like yeah. not, not many people can. Um, I, I think that parodies, part of the reason that they're attractive is that they're fun. So people are like, oh, I want to do that. I want to produce something that's fun. And then I think a ton of people get hung up on this idea of, I want to create viral content. Mm-hmm. And, and viral contents, it's cool, like whatever, but it, for real estate agents, it doesn't benefit me a whole lot if my thing blows up in California and a bunch of Californians know who I am. Like that doesn't really help me because they're not buying and selling real estate here. Sure, I may be able to get some referrals out of it, but they know I'm in South Carolina. The likelihood of them calling me to help them with that is very low. So like going viral, while it sounds cool and you want to be able to tell your friends it's that you did it. Like I've done it twice. I, I mean, true, truly going viral. I've done it twice. Old town realtor went viral. And then I went viral at a baseball game for building like a beer pyramid. So like it's happened for me twice. And all it creates is a couple weeks of like stories around bars around town. Like that's about all that creates for you locally. The best thing that you can do is find something that you're passionate about. We all have the things that we're passionate about and create the content that revolves around that, because that's going to help you build um, kind of a network in your town or wherever you're at around a certain passion. Um, people are going to connect with you, even if it's not real estate, like it, in all honesty, it shouldn't be real estate. I mean, I have a uh, weekly vlog that I put out with a buddy of mine that owns a beer shop in town. We call it beer of the week. That's my, like, that's my tribe of people. Um, because all those people that go up there to that beer shop and drink, or who I hang out with. We all enjoy craft beer. We talk about craft beer. Um, they watch my show. I mean, that, that vlog has about three or 400 people that watch it every single week. So those people are way more 
um, connected to me. They trust me because they, it's funny, they trust me in real estate because they trust my reviews of beer. Like if, if you can find something that people trust you for one reason, they'll, they'll trust you across the board after that. It's because they can relate to you. And that's the whole purpose of the real estate business is if they can trust you on another level, they could trust you in real estate. I mean, my mom, her business was built almost entirely out of the fact that she was a greeter at church. So when people came to church, she was the first person they saw. So rapport and trust was built at that front door and they, you know, used her to sell and buy the houses. I mean, so if you can develop um, videos that connect with people on one level and, and it's easiest to do it if you're talking about your passions, then um, that's where you can build out a following locally a lot easier than trying to create high flashy sort of videos. So your vlog, you know, you see a lot of real estate agents doing similar to what you're doing, but it's like they're holding their phone. It's a, you know, selfie. It, there's no production quality behind it. What's your budget look like for your vlog and for some of these other things? So, I mean, in total, I probably own between 10 and $12,000 worth of video equipment. Um, so there's a hefty investment that I've made into it. Then I've got a guy on staff that I pay hourly um, to come in and shoot and edit the stuff for me. And now granted, that's not where I was two years ago. Two years ago, I had a $2,000 setup. I had a Sony a 6,400, um, and a Sigma 30 millimeter lens and then a tripod. Like, and that's what I set up with. Uh, we filmed with that and then I would edit it myself at home. Take me about an hour, hour and a half to edit that, to put it out. And, um, you know, just that's where I started. And then after I started to see the return on video, I mean, I've probably made just from the beer of the week, I've probably made 40 or $50,000 worth of commissions from doing that. And that's just me going up there and drinking beer. So like seeing the return on it, I then began to invest more heavily into, um, into video equipment. Now, you know, I've got drone, I've got two cameras, I've got like five different lenses, ring light, you know, I mean, I've got a home studio set up that looks good even with a webcam, like, cause I'm not even using one of my cameras right now. So it, you know, I've been able to build out a lot of different stuff to be able to produce video um, on my own or in-house uh, with that equipment. Where do you see, where, how do I ask this? Where do you see your future with it? Like, do you think this is going to go like, are we at the top of the videoing? Are we at the bottom of the videoing? How long is this going to last? What, what do you, what do you see? Um, I think, I think, I mean, video is not going to go anywhere. Um, uh, you know, if you, if you look at video over the, the course of, you know, the last hundred years, you know, movies have not scaled back. They've, they've scaled up. Um, you know, when you look at music videos, I mean, music videos started coming out in like the seventies, eighties, MTV, and music videos now, you know, some artists post them on YouTube and they get seven, 800,000 views. Like we're, as human beings, we're like visual creatures. Um, there's, that can be demonstrated in a ton of different ways. Um, Audio is great. Like podcasts, they're not going anywhere. Podcasts are great, but it lacks one of those senses. So like when we're doing video, even this, there's a reason we're not recording this on Clubhouse you know, because you record this on Clubhouse, it only, it only appeals to one sense. When you've got it, when you've got the visual too, you're able to use the, you're able to use the content in a lot of different ways. Um, plus, if you look at every platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they all prioritize video, even LinkedIn. 
I mean, they, they all do um, because they know that that's what people will stop scrolling to watch. People won't stop scrolling to read or they won't stop scrolling to listen, but they'll stop scrolling to watch stuff. So I don't think video is going anywhere, um, at least not in the short term until there's like, you know, if I can put on, you know, those like Facebook Oculuses and actually be somewhere that's, I mean, that technology is like 10 years, 15 years away from being able to get like a in-person experience. So until you're able to appeal to those other senses, which are like touch, taste, and smell, if all we're dealing with is visual and audio, audio, like that, this is the way to go um, until we're able to get to a point to where we were able to go beyond that. So are you paying for your videos to be on commercials? So other words, when you're on YouTube and it pauses for a second, are you being paid to be in that commercial? Are you paying for it to be on Facebook? Are you paying for it to be on TV? Are you doing anything that way with your videos or are you just going organically? So right now, um, up until this point, I've been completely 100% organic. Um, For me, I mean, I... I'm probably wired a little differently than, uh, than a lot of like, I guess, influential realtors. Cause for me, I, I don't, I could give a rat's ass about selling a hundred homes. Like I want to sell enough homes to where I'm comfortable and I have work-life balance. I'm able to be at home with my family. Um, so for me, the easiest way to do that is if, if the organic traffic is producing 35 to 40 deals a year, I'm unbelievably happy with that. I don't need to go and put paid ads behind everything to try and you know, hit a million dollars so I can start, you know, zero to diamond. I don't need to do that. You know, that's, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I love Gary Vee. I love Ricky Caruth. I love those guys, but I'm not like a hustle, 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 hustle sort of person until I'm blue in the face. I'd I'd rather have a work-life balance. So not to get off track, but you kind of triggered something with what you just said, because us girls have been talking about exactly what you just said the last couple of months, maybe even the last year about how we're kind of scaling back on our businesses and not scaling back as to not making money, but to the amount of transactions that we do. So how do you feel about the big, huge teams that are doing all these gigantic numbers as to oppose a single agent doing all these numbers and chasing the numbers? Like, have you done that? And are you sick of it? Is that why you're scaling back? So, I mean, I've never, I've actually never gotten to the point where I felt like I needed to scale back. And I, and this is where I feel like my mom having been in business gave me a unique perspective coming in um, to where the idea of trying to chase these numbers to just be able to say I did it um, doesn't really matter. I mean, it's funny to me when Lindsay opened this up and she's like, you know, Bob Tompkins, he's a platinum agent. I'm like, I give him. <laughs> I don't give a crap about being a platinum agent, but I mean, it's a cool, I mean, it's cool to have a level to be distinguished at a certain level. I mean, that, you know, awards are nice. I don't think any of us will say that they're not, but you know, time with my wife and time with my daughter means so much more to me. And that's always been my mindset. It's not something that I had to learn by stretching myself too thin and then wishing I could have it back. I feel like that's what happens to a lot of people. Um, and, and for me, I guess I've, I've, because I've been around the business, I've seen it happen enough before I ever got here that I was like, that's not what I want to have happen to me. So everything has been about building a business that is already based on, on good balance and not something that, um, 
has to be scaled back to that. But I mean, you know, there's team structures, there's people that have done that, that have done a great job that they have, they've accomplished work-life balance and been able to make a ton of money because they've built structures out to be able to have agents underneath them doing the work, which is, you know, great for the people that have gotten to that point. But it's just not something I necessarily aspire to. Right. I'm sitting here trying not to cry. Um, My broker passed away this last week and you sound just like him talking about the work-life balance and how it isn't always about the numbers, right? It's about what's the legacy you leave behind, which is your family and your wife and your marriage and the things that are important. And so I thank you for sharing that because I think as men and men in this industry, that's not something that um, men focus on. And I think it's a very rare trait. And um, I'm thankful that you shared that today. Especially coming from such a a young man. I mean, I don't know your age, but hearing that you have a seven month old, like I wish I would have known that when my kid was seven months old, he's now 10. Like we hit a ceiling in 2019 and it crashed us. And I wish I would have known the balance. And now I do thank God, but coming from a young man with a young family, always keep that in mind. Don't ever let the numbers and don't ever let the money get in the way of your family. And I'm glad that you see that. And you were, you were welcomed into that with your mom. Well, I mean, Chris, I'm, so I'm 28, so I'm, 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 I'm pretty young, young, but, (laughs) um, (laughs) but I mean, I, I, so I feel like a lot of people that, that get in that situation of trying to make a ton of money and produce, 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 they always say like, oh, I'm doing this for my family rarely are they doing it for their family. It's typically a selfish sort of thing because you spending 18 hours a day at the office does not benefit your family. Like, sure, it does monetarily, but they you then lack every other part of life that's really necessary for, you know, healthy balance. And that's, that's where a lot of people get caught up in it. It's selfish. Really what they want is they want to be able to say that they made X amount of dollars. Yep. And, and that's it's a, it's a big problem. I mean, people talk about toxic masculinity a lot and uh, that's a very toxic man trait that is out there is this idea of like, Oh, I'm going to produce for my family and uh, producing is only worth so much if you're not also nurturing your family. So. Yeah, that was me. Um, That was the last um, eight years of my life. Um, So to a T I definitely, um, sacrifice time with my family for success. And if I could go back and do it all over again, obviously I would change it. I didn't know it was happening to me because we're in such an industry that's driven by numbers and that's what everything is. Oh, you muted. You muted yourself. (laughs) It's because I'm getting 18,000 phone calls for this listing. So (laughs) because her feelings are coming out and she didn't want anyone to hear them. <laughs> no, I mean, there's another Trump call. Another one. Okay, so who are your like? Who do you look to in video for? Like, who's your inspiration? And like to go back to what Kristen asked about, um, like, are we at the top or the bottom of this thing? Like, I think very bottom, especially in the space that you work in, because a lot of agents have adopted video in like some haphazard half-assed kind of way nobody you know there's like there's there's you there's Tim Macy there's Colin Cameron like there's you know maybe 10 people Erica Wolf like there's only maybe 10 and especially on the 
women's side, by the way. Um, there's only maybe like 10 or 12 people that I could even think of. And it would take me a while to think of 10 or 12 people that are doing this on a high level. So like, where do you draw inspiration from? Um, so it's funny for me because like all those video people are, are my friends. So like it, I, I'm in, a, I'm in a position where I don't like idolize a ton of them as far as what they do. Um, they're, they're just my friends. So uh, Marley Presswood is one Marley. that I really love. Yes. Um, me and her have a good relationship. She, she's, she's so pretty. pretty. Why is she so pretty? Botox. Uh, Botox. <laughs> she, no, no, she's going to hate me for saying that, but Botox. So no, um, she's, It hurts. She's so pretty. She, she's, she's a very attractive person. So she's, she's very good at, um, stories, um, which is an underutilized form of video. Uh, in my opinion, very few people do it the right way. She does it extremely well. And stories are probably the easiest way for people in general to, to get into video because you're able to take kind of snapshots of your life and build them out, um, daily. So that's, that's something she's done extremely well. Sorry, back up for the people that are listening that don't know. You mean like, Facebook stories or Instagram reels? Facebook, Instagram stories. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that aspect of the social networks, she does a really good job with. Um, as far as just punchy, funny videos, Matt Leonetti is probably the best. He has to come on our show. He is a trip. Like he's, he's hilarious. I'm like, now you want to talk about somebody pushing the limits. Like he, he blows past them. Um, but, but Matt is, Matt is a very good person to look to. Dirty stash. Dirty stash. The Freddie Mercury look. Yeah. And it's not even like that weird the way that he pulls it off. He's very impressive. But if you're interested in like being yourself on video, um, and being able to do it at a, a quality level, that's like, I feel like people look at my stuff and they think it's a little like unattainable because of the level of production that goes into it. Um, Matt's is not, I mean, all, almost all of Matt's stuff is shot on an iPhone. So he's somebody that you can look at and say, okay, I want to imitate that. Um, I think he does a great job. And then another person that's just phenomenal in social media in general. And then when she creates videos, she's great is Jesse Yerksa. Um, she's fantastic. Um, those are, those are people that I really look at, um, that, that whether I have like great relationships with them or not, they, they do a phenomenal job at building out their entire profile. Um, I think Tim, Cameron, uh, Eric, they've kind of shifted into roles of like mentorship in video. You, they don't produce quite as much content as they used to. I know Colin's trying to um, do that this year. Uh, but, you know, I, I think you get to a point where, where they are, where video has done its, it's done its job for them. Like, so this rat race of trying to put out hundreds of videos a year is not is not something that they have to worry about anymore people are so tuned into their video stuff they can produce one a month and and get great returns from it i just have a really hard time like personally making the jump to something like this because like i absolutely will not would not want to put out like a look at my listing video I would mm-hmm. definitely rather not, but I'm also like, I'm a theater kid. I sing, I dance. I love being on stage more than anything on the planet, but I still feel like I don't have it, whatever it is that you guys have that have it, or like, mm-hmm. I'm not willing to go that far 
out there with it. Like, so I do think you're right when you say it feels unattainable or just very like intimidating because I don't get how you, you know, have that idea at three in the morning where you're like, oh yeah, this is going to make a great video. And then you actually <laughs> do it and go through with publishing it. I'm just not creative. Like I can't I will, figure out a TikTok. <laughs> I feel like it's generational. I feel like, sorry girls, but we're old. <laughs> <laughs> like we're not Listen, our 20s anymore. Golden Girls was a phenomenal TV show. So just, just, like, the mind, just there. I saw Holy, we're not that old. Back it up. <laughs> I'm just well. saying, like, I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, girls, like, cuss me out. I feel like we are on the back end of this with our age. I'm not joking, because I'm the same way. I am the same way. Like, I look at that and I'm like damn, I can do that, but mm, I don't want to. I don't feel like I'm too old. I just don't feel like I have anything to say that's like yeah. worth watching. That's how I feel. And I can't quite yeah. figure out like the demographics between who the audience is supposed to be. Like I sure as shit know I'm not going to go into my seller's kitchen and be like, I would like to film WAP up in your kitchen. Um, but like, you know, I, it's, I've always curated a very um, purposeful line between myself personally and my per myself professionally. So like, if you know me personally and you know, you're on my Instagram, like I'm a wildly different person than I am in real life. So like real life, Lindsay would be like, yeah, let's wop it up all over. Mm -mm -mm. Personal, professional, Lindsay? no, like absolutely not. So that's where I feel like in my professional life, it would be really dry and really boring, which isn't me and so I just don't do it because I'm like there's no point like it's just going to be old and gross I, I, I see I don't know like for me I, I'm thankful that I've built my presence the way I have because I don't have to walk that line I, I don't have to worry about like oh do I need to can I really express myself in business or not because I, I've always done it so what you see on the can if you met me in person you'd be like oh this is the exact same guy from those music videos like I'm I'm not any different than I am there when I come on to, you know, do interviews like this, it's, it's the same person, you know, I, I mean, y'all know, do y'all know David Searle? Like he, he interviewed me on a, on his breakfast with the broker and I made some comment about hookers and he, he like turned red in the face cause he didn't expect me to say it. It was like, I, I, I'll like, I, but it's who I am. Like, so like, I don't, I don't, I don't draw much of a line. Um, at all. So it makes things a lot easier. And I do think the people that work with you, like when they work with you on a transaction basis, they learn that your personality is a little bit different than your professional persona. But so to go back to Kristen's point, and this conversation went way left, but it's interesting to me because I do think that that is, I don't know if it's generational or if yeah. it's um, just the way that we were raised in the business. But this is not the business that we grew up in. So like originally when I started almost 20 years ago this year in this business, you know, I only wore suits. My hair and makeup was done every time. Like I, I spent a lot of money on my appearance. I never said a curse word, you know, and just honest to God, like just in, you know, the last year, like I said, hookers and blow the other day on my professional <laughs> Facebook. Hell yeah. And then I was like, I should probably delete that. And then I left it, you know? So like my clients, they come to know that I'm like a wildly obnoxious and silly person, but I was not 
raised in this business that way. It wasn't okay to be. He was, but you got to realize it's generational because we grew up without Facebook and MySpace until we got to a certain age. So now their generation is open. They've got Facebook. They've got all of this platform where they weren't taught to wear a suit to go to work. They weren't taught to do this. They were, and I'm not saying this is wrong. Like you do you rock on, but it's, I feel it's generational. It's totally generational. See, the only, the reason I'm shaking my head and the reason I, I don't know if I subscribe to that is I was 20 years old in school to be a pastor. Like, so for me, I always felt like because the people around me wanted me to do a certain or wanted to portray myself a certain way and be in a certain profession that I had grown up having two, almost two lives. Like I was two different people. Um, you know, so I had to shed, I, I had to go through this phase of life where I shed kind of that false um, front that I'd put out uh, to get to a place where I was more authentic. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a generational thing. I mean, I, I think it's the way you're raised. Uh, you know, different people are raised different ways. Some people, the freedom to express yourself comes a little more naturally. Um, I, I, I do think, I mean, if you look a generation above or, you know, before y'all, like if, two generations before me, if we step way back there, like my dad, like military, like you, you gotta be, you know, clean cut all the, all the time. Like he worked with politicians completely different sort of attitude about things. I think as, as you made your way through the, those generations, that kind of shed a little bit to where you can be more authentic. And now in our culture, it's almost expected that you should be who you are all the time. Um, but I don't think that that comes without barriers because all of us, to some extent, have been told you have to present yourself a certain way. So you have to get past that to really express your true self. Um, but I think there's a lot of freedom in it. If you can get to the point where you can create content where you are being yourself and you are expressing your passions, like you don't have to think through, is this appropriate or should I do this? Those aren't things that you have to, to reason with. I think the only thing holding me back from doing my own WAP video is knowing that my kids will see it eventually. And I want them to be proud of mom and think that mom is hilarious and I don't care what everybody else thinks. I just want to make sure that my kids aren't embarrassed in like 15 years when they actually watch it. Um, and that's all I They'll about. think it's the coolest thing in the world. Right? I think so. So and I, I'm going back at poverty. So we're going to do it. I'm going to do it. So at home with me, my kid knows I'm a sailor and horrible. So like that doesn't worry me. It's something about my clients. So like Matt Leonetti, like I watch his stuff and I'm like, Oh my God, he's so cool. Cause yeah. he's just out there, totally no filter on his own and still somehow manages to do real business. Yeah. I mean, the, the stuff he where he's on his phone and he's like, fuck you, Kim. Like it's hilarious. Like <laughs> I, I, I wish I could do content to that level. I just, I, that's where I hit a wall. It's the same thing with Shonuff though, like Nathan, like he posts whatever the hell he wants and people still work with him. So, I mean, there's something to be said for authenticity. So I don't think he's ever going to get a TJ Maxx uh, endorsement, but you know, other than that, I feel like he's going to be just fine. But his demographic is. Yeah. I mean, that, so going back to that whole conversation, like how do you figure out who your demographic is, because I do think that that gives you then the liberty and the freedom to take different chances or go different ways. Because 
you know, if my demographic is all, you know, 50 plus year old white women, like I'm not going to be a Shona, I'm not going to be a Matt Leonetti, right? So, but if my, my content isn't even aimed at my clientele and it's aimed at other real estate agents, then I may take totally different liberties. So how do you figure out what your demographic and your target audience is? I mean, I feel like that's, that's a matter of like kind of self, um, reflection on like, who are the people you want to work with? Who are the people that you enjoy hanging out with? And then how do you appeal to those people? You know, like, you know, you say 50 year old white woman, I, that's like a, I, I see a bottle of, you know, Pinot bottle of, you know, whatever you can do a different wine every week, you know, and talk about you know, what you love about that. I mean, you're going to attract people. You can, you can take on a very bar sort of mentality in those videos the same way that you would in person and, and talk through whatever you want to talk through. Like my mom, she has a video series she started this year called Tuesday Tea. And she drinks a cup of tea every Tuesday. And she just talks about life for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So for her, like that's already like working really well, even though she's only been doing it for like eight weeks because it allows people to know her on a more intimate level than just like, do you want to buy or sell a house? Because I think when we position ourselves as people that are only good for a transaction, like we lose a lot of our value. When we can bring value beyond just the deal, um, that's when that's when our you know influence grows a lot within our circles. I love that. I love the idea of the blog that you do for your clients or for that peer group of yours too. So if you have like just a couple tips for somebody jumping into wanting to make their first video, what would it be? Um, I mean, so number one, like be simple. Like you don't have, things do not have to be complex. Like going to my mom, cause my mom's very early. It's, it's a real example. You can look at and see what she's doing. She uses her phone and she uses a ring light and that's it. So like we all have a smartphone and then the ring light like a really nice one, big one is like 80 bucks on Amazon. So you can invest $80 and be putting together really good live streams or really good videos just from your phone. Um, so, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing is, is keep it simple and then talk about stuff you're passionate about. Because if you try and talk about stuff that you're not, there's a real reason I don't talk about transactions. I like making money. I do not love real estate. I think it's ridiculous that every single real estate agent you see is like, oh, I just love buying and selling houses. I'm like, bullshit. This job sucks. Like when you go into real estate groups, we all complain about the job. Then we all go out into the public and we're like, oh, I love buying and selling houses. The reason that content's trash is because people know it's not true. Like you're not passionate about it. If you're not passionate about it, people don't connect with it. So talking about things that are more personal to you that you actually have a passion for um, is where you're going you're gonna to get a better response. Um, like I'll sit here and talk about marketing all day long because I have a passion for marketing. Like it's, it's something I, I feel very strongly about. But the actual transaction side of this business is not something I enjoy. So talking about it isn't going to help me grow my business. So start with something you love and start simple and just do it. Did you always feel confident in front of a camera or did you have moments where you were like, I don't like that? I mean, 
it came a little more naturally to me. Um, but I think part of that is that I spent three years in college where I was on a stage having to speak in front of people all the time. So like from, I took stage presence and just converted it over to camera presence. So it, it wasn't a huge jump for me. It obviously takes time to get comfortable in either one of those environments. Um, but you know, you're never going to get comfortable if you don't do it. It's scary. And I don't know why. See, yeah, but, I mean, we're afraid see, of being judged. That's all. The same thing can be said. Like I have a seven month old when she was born, that shit was terrifying. Like I didn't know what I was getting into. I'd never done this before. And now she's seven months old. I love it. Like it's, and I feel like I'm, I'm relatively good at being a father, but it's not something I would have known how to do until I was actually in the position that I'm doing it. So everything is in life is scary if you've never done it before, but all of you, like the four of you are on this call every time you film a homegirls podcast. So it's, you're in front of a camera already. Like it's just getting over that mental barrier that's you're performing. Like you have to get to that performance mindset. That's the only leap that you really have to make. And you have to have a good idea. Cause like I said, I personally feel very weird about putting out something that flops. Have you ever put out something that has just flopped like real bad? I mean, yeah, there's, there's stuff I've put out. I, I try and push it from my memory. I haven't had a music video that's flopped yet. Um, but no, I've put out stuff. Like I put out this thing about toilet paper at the beginning of coronavirus that I thought I was like, man, this thing's punchy as hell. This thing's going to blow up. I put it out and it was like three days later, it had like 2,500 views, which I know, I mean, that's a lot, but like for me that compared to what I normally get, it was not good. And I was like, shit, I really like dropped the ball on that. Like, so then you have to recover from it and put out the next video. Um, and then the next one I put out, I put out one that was like realtors in quarantine, um, punchy. And it got like 30,000 views, which was way better. Um, but I, you know, if you just stop because you flopped it, then you're never going to go anywhere. So you, you have to get over. I mean, it's going to happen. Like I, I did a little bit of stand up comedy for a little while and, um, I'm not very good at it. And, uh, but you see a lot of guys in stand up, they go up there and they might be great at it. And then they just absolutely bomb. So even people that are good at stuff bomb all the time. That's, you know, your first videos are going to suck. So you got to get past that. What does your mom say? Does she think these are awesome, funny, hilarious? Or does she roll her eyes and go, Oh my goodness. So, uh, you know, up front, uh, I, I don't think she really bought into it. Um, when I was doing the Old Town Realtor one, I mean, really everybody I talked to, everybody was like, this is so stupid. Like, why? Because, I mean, I was spending a lot of money on it. And this was before I'd really made a ton of money. Um, I had, I did like six figures in GCI in 2018. It's the first year I'd done six figures. I turned around in 2019. This is the beginning of 2019. And I dropped like 2,500 bucks on one marketing video everybody was like, this is stupid. Like you're spending two to 3% of your annual income on one video. And uh, I just, you know, believed in it. And uh, since that video, it's been very easy to get my parents to buy in to stuff. Um, I'm excited because uh, the video will be out by the time y'all publish the podcast. Um, but the one that I have coming out this week, my mom's in the video. So I'm excited about that because it's the first music video she's actually been a part of. Oh, I love that one. 
Yeah. That's super, super cute. Yeah, I always have my wheels turning, but I just have a hard time making the jump to actually doing anything. So kudos to you, because I think your work is incredible and I wish I could do it. Well, one thing, and you brought up, you brought up RETV and one of the very valuable things about that group, um, and I love being a part of that community, is pretty much everybody in there will help you collaborate. So like, if, if you're trying to bounce ideas off of people, trying to get something put together to, to put out a video, you know, you pick a couple people in that group and say, hey, I'm friends with you in RETV. Like, I just want to bounce this idea off of you. People are super responsive. Um, and you'll learn which ones aren't. But, but most people are in there are super responsive, will help you build out those ideas. Because um, we love seeing good real estate content. Um, you know, we, we, don't, we don't want other people to put out bad content because it reflects poorly on the industry. Where do you share your content? So like that's, um, so uh, like personal page groups, where, where do you push your content out to? So um, my content goes on my business page. Um, I created my business page as a public figure page, not as a real estate page. Um, because I knew if people saw the page and saw that it was just about real estate, they're way less likely to follow it. Um, if, if I'm branded as a public figure, there's more of an idea of I'm a content creator. People are more likely to um, subscribe to it. So uh, I put everything out on um, Facebook, on my business page. I share it to my personal page from there. I put my big stuff on Instagram and I'm in the process of building out YouTube pages. So it's a big reason I hired my video guy in-house was to help me with that. So um, you know, the idea is that if I can be on those three platforms, they're all proven, then, uh, then that'll serve me well. You know, I, TikTok's fun, but I don't think at this point, TikTok's not proven that it benefits business. So I, I feel like I'm spinning my wheels if I, if I put out too much stuff there. I'm on so, your page right now. I didn't, I didn't realize that you had an actual like, like page. So I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and you'll see if you're on there right now, like I, I mean, I've had a big move going as far as personally and professionally. Like, so over the last couple of months, there's not a lot of content I've put out. And you'll see if you're scrolling, it's probably a lot of beer of the weeks. Yeah. It's, a lot yeah. of Broncos. I see Broncos. Oh, yeah. I'm a big Broncos fan. So y'all okay. are in Denver. So that's, you know, this is, yeah, I've got like, I've got the Super Bowl from, I've got yeah. Broncos logo, Super Bowl, and that. then Peyton Manning right there. Yeah. But we're not talking about the Broncos right now, friend. We're. <laughs> Hey, I'm telling you right now, we, we trade for Deshaun Watson. We're going to be talking about the Denver Broncos. You and my yeah. son. <laughs> How are you a Broncos fan? In uh, so this will show you my age. Um, when I was four years old, John Elway was winning Super Bowls. I was going to say. Yeah. So I, um, I was, when I was a very young, impressionable kid, was, uh, you could say I was a bandwagon fan originally because I was like, oh, I love John Elway. And of course I was five and he retires. So, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to watch him anymore after that. I got it. You know, all those years of Brian Greasy and Jake Plummer, but you know, I dropped a Bronco calendar off to Peyton Manning's house after he retired. <laughs> Did oh, you? My God. Why didn't you tell me? We've talked about this. I have, why don't I remember this? Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, so if you want to know where Peyton Manning lives, I got you. <laughs> I, I would love to know. <laughs> he still lives here. He um he coaches his kids like a little league football team. And our friends are their little boys are refs. And after the game, Peyton 
brings them a signed football and thanks them for being members of the community and thanks them for adding value as men and leadership roles. Like he's just amazing. So that's pretty cool. Do you think he'll put together a group to buy the team? What hmm? was that? You think he'll put he'll put together a group to buy the team? Because I do. I um, so I just know that I want to meet him. That's all I know. I don't know. I, I like the Bolin family. I, you know, they're they're. I mean, they've done a lot for the city of Denver. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't even live there, and I like, care about that. This I'm, I'm, have you ever been here? Yeah. I uh, smoked a lot of weed in Denver. What? Instead of smoked a lot of weed in Denver. Oh, it's not legal in South Carolina, so I'm not allowed to do it here. Come back and smoke it with us. Hell, yeah. Don't do tempt it. me with a good time. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> buy a plane free. ticket right now. So how does your wife deal with like the like was she like, oh yeah, Bob, this is a good idea. Oh no, Bob, that's not a good idea for this video. Like, does she, do you run them by her and does she have a lot of opinions on them or not so much? Uh, I always run the lyrics through her. So she always, she always get the lyrics, gets the lyrics um, before we go and film anything that way. She, I mean, she's, she's good about telling me if I'm saying something I shouldn't. Um, she doesn't necessarily love the like real estate fame that has come along with it, but you know, it is what it is. What's that like? It's weird. I get a lot of DMS. I wish I didn't get. <laughs> Yeah. What's the weirdest one you've gotten? Oh, oh you don't want to ask that question. Yeah, I, I absolutely want to ask that question. <laughs> somebody tell me that they don't, they don't, they don't spit. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Wow. No. <laughs> I'm that serious. That, I thought that was like a dude thing, but girls. Oh. Are oh. I bet girls are grosser than dudes sometimes. It's, yeah, there's, yeah. So, I mean, I am, but I don't private message that shit to people. Right? Right? Yeah. Which is why yeah. I think I have to have a work, Lindsay, like we just talked about, because if <laughs> normal Lindsay was out there in the world, it wouldn't be good. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, I've gotten some interesting ones, but, uh, <sighs> you know. So it's stop doing what, that. He's married. Leave him alone. It's, it's weird what hor- like horny 50-year-old women will send. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Cougars, <laughs> you got the cougars after you. That's right. Yeah, that's that's gross. Like that's very gross. So well, Lindsay was like, "You want to be on the back. Homegirl podcast?" I was like, "Hell yeah, I want to be on the Homegirl podcast." <laughs> <laughs> we'll message them back for you, Bob. We got you. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that next time I get Seriously. a DM. I'll just send them to the floor. Just you guys. forward it over, and we got you. For real. <laughs> we'll handle it. Like that is like thirsty on a whole other kind of level. And it makes me, I think the same thing about dick pics. Like how often does that work? Actually, Never. It never works. It never works. Penises are not cute. It's just not. Now the alternative to that absolutely works. Like Mm -hmm. y'all know that. But it doesn't work for us. (laughs) No. Send me a picture of you doing dishes. Then we'll talk. Right. (laughs) That means something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow you're like a celebrity it's so wild <laughs> it's dumb I mean like, it, like it, hate mail or do you get do you get people like that are like uh that was way over the line like not cool or I mean not- I like if you go through the comments you'll find a few uh for the most part I think there's so little like good real estate content that gets created yeah. that people are just excited to see 
good real estate content. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a few people that'll kind of hate on stuff. Um, but the, there's so few of those people that it doesn't really bother me at all. It's like more said, <clears throat> she said, um, after the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air stuff went down, I mean, she flat out told us that it's never going to stop her from trying to put out more stuff. Like you can't, you know, you're not always going to please everyone and that's okay. I mean, this obviously blew up in a way that I don't think anyone anticipated, but it wasn't going to stop her from. Well, I mean, it got her over to Remax, which was where she needed to be originally, given the fact that her husband, husband. produced the CRM that Remax uses. Yeah. So, you know, that. You know, it probably got her in the right place at the end of the day, anyways. Right. Totally. Yeah. And the brokerage that she was with is not a place for this. So that's okay. One last question now that I think about that. Have you ever met resistance from your leadership about any of this stuff? Because there have been times where I have shared things or talked about things and I've met resistance from my leadership. And, you know, I've been like, well, look, you wouldn't know what Facebook was if it hit you in the head. Uh, and I've been using it for 15 years and it's 80% of my business. So I'm going to do me. And if you need to fire me, cool. But like, have you ever had any resistance from leadership where leadership is like, no, so, I mean, during, during my time at Remax, um, very supportive, um, corporate really kind of embraced a lot of what I was doing. I mean, they had me speak at their, um, global conference about it. Um, my broker at Remax, phenomenal as far as supporting me and, and, and doing the stuff. So I've never really had much resistance there. Um, coming over to real, I mean, Tim Macy's here. So there's one line in the music video that is being dropped this week where I say, look at this kitchen. I've got an erection. And <laughs> Tim told me that I probably shouldn't say that. And uh, I, I was like, well, it's never... <laughs> <laughs> it's never like not worked. So we'll see how that goes over on Thursday. I got to see the kitchen now. It's like unfair to me that like dudes can get away with this stuff a little right. bit more. Like, and you get like, I don't spit messages in your inbox. Right. This is like, right. if I said that as a girl, all I would get is a bunch of like old white ladies that were like, you're disgusting and you're just inviting things and you're too sexually provocative. Yeah. Go away. Like, it's not fair. No, I, I, I mean, that's, that's my male privilege. I can get away with a lot more stuff. It's funny and you're genuine and you're warm. And like, I think there's something very magnetizing about your personality that makes it authentic. So I think it works perfectly for you. I think a lot of other people would have a harder time with it. Like there are, it's, I don't know why that's a fact of life. You ever get a hug from somebody and you're like, oh, that was nice. And then you get a hug from another person and you're like, get off me. And there's just a weird vibe. Like your vibe is very much, you can pull this off. There are some people that I would see as creepy or like weird if they were doing this. So you're just the right person. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's some creeps in real estate. Like uh, you, yeah. you look at enough content. To yeah. yeah, we'll produce. send you our DMs, Bob. <laughs> yeah. There's some, there's some creeps up in there for sure. <laughs> whores in this house there are whores <laughs> in this house yes for sure thanks bob thank you so much for being on our show we love you there's a new video dropping next week so make sure you guys look out for that and give bob some love see you soon we hope you loved our show today 
If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.